Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Great to have you with us again here today for another exciting episode of The Shadow Rising from the Wheel of Time. Woohoo! Yeah, it's going to be fun. Before we move into all of that, how you mm-hmm. doing today, son? It's good to see you. Well, admittedly, I'm a little hungover. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so that's a thing. Uh, am I young? Yes. Can I still do more than maybe I should? That being said, I didn't really. I just, uh, it didn't sit very well together. So I'm feeling a little bit today. And you you were safe about it, though? You weren't driving when you should have been? I was very safe. Good. I am a responsible, fun person, sometimes. Now, Discord is asking what national holiday you were celebrating, but that wasn't it. No, I was celebrating, or rather commiserating, somewhere between celebrating and mourning, uh, (laughs) a loss of a co-worker to a different job. They're not dead. Yeah, It's just a (laughs) different job. The loss of a co-worker. So it was awake. No, 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 not that. No, but it it was a good time. And a bunch of us after work kind of went out and had drinks and food. And it was great. Good. And now you get to come and do a podcast with me when we're supposed to drink and you don't feel like it. Oh, yeah. So um, we'll get to that. (laughs) How you doing, Dad? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, it's a Saturday. It's been a good day. I, I slept in, went for a nice morning walk. It was 27 freaking degrees, but I made myself go anyways. And then made some delicious pancakes this morning. And then spent the rest of the time prepping for this episode. Hmm. Good stuff to do here today. But, you know, I enjoy the work, so I am good. So you're drinking uh no this is my empty coaster (laughs) (laughs) i am not going to be drinking today you should be drinking water uh i have been but i just don't have any with me at this current second what are Uh, you drinking dad i'm sure it's more fun i have made a watt tail for this episode of course um you know we're calling this episode dark bubbles so i made a what i call dark and bubbly what is it it's dark and you can see there are bubbles in there okay uh it's coconut rum with coke sprite and just a little bit of grenadine so you get a little tinge from the grenadine there pretty simple nice and tasty nothing too boozy but it is dark and bubbly so we'll have fun with that today indeed All right. Well, how about we hit a few notes here and then jump into our content? That sounds like a good idea. I think we We want to remind people. Yeah. If if you are enjoying our content, you're liking these episodes, please actually like it. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit that like button, subscribe, keep coming back for more and more of the content we're putting out for you. If you're listening in an audio format, like, write a review, do whatever you can. I mean, even Spotify lets you like content you're enjoying now so please Mm -hmm. help us spread the word by just hitting those various like buttons and maybe write a review we'd love to share that here on an episode if you're fairly new to us we want to remind you again most of our episodes we do spoiler light zach remind them what that means it means we're not going to full spoil the entire series we're not gonna be giving away massive plot points here or there 
but we will be talking about the content that is actually covered within the chapters we're talking about and highlighting specific things here and there as uh, things you want to pay attention to just to enhance your reader experience. That's right. Like foreshadowing and the meaning of prophecy and things your first time through you may not have realized were kind of important. We'll raise your attention to it. We won't tell you why. You got to keep reading to figure it out. And if you're like many of our listeners and watchers that you've already read all of The Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. then you'll know exactly what we're hinting at and you can enjoy the fun as well. A couple other small little tidbits to share here then today before we move into our content. One, okay. we had interaction on Twitter again with an author this week. We love that. We do. And this time, the author was actually not just liking what we put, but writing was interacting with us, which is very cool. That's wild. Yeah, we do have an active Twitter account. And so follow us on Twitter at Fantasy for the Ages and participate in that, interact with us there. Uh, Jenny Wirtz was the author who engaged with us this week. I had commented that in my TBR, I've got some more books by her that are waiting for me to get to. Mm-hmm. And I've already read one thing from her. She had collaborated back in the 90s with Raymond E. Feist. Gotcha. That's Rift War guy. Yeah. Books four, five, and six from the Rift War cycle. The Empire Trilogy. Mm-hmm. They wrote those together. They're great. Very different turn for that series. So I got a good taste for what her writing is about. And there's much more she's done on her own. So I commented, I've got some of this look coming up. Anybody read these? What do you think? We know Emmeline does like this author. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, I, I you know, added Jenny Wirtz's Twitter account. And she came right back in and commented and back and forth a little bit. So that was really nice to hear from an author, a fantasy author people enjoy. Thank you, Jenny. I know you're listening. I have to ask, did her books move up in your TBR because she interacted? Yes, they did. <laughs> I just I figured they might. You know, if an author's going to take the time and give us a little love, as Discord says right now, I can be bribed. Oh, absolutely, so, we could be bribed. They rose. They rose. <laughs> I'm not reading them next, but they rose. I won't be bribed necessarily in my opinion of the book, but to read it, absolutely. You know, what I'm still reading right now is The Dresden Files. I'm on book Mm -hmm. 14 of the 17 that are out. I've read a whole bunch of the short stories now that were really great at filling in pieces, loving that series still, and pushing on towards the end of what's out. I'm also on Audible, listening to Mistborn Era 2. I'm finishing the last book of those that's out because the final book of Era 2 comes out in November, so I'll be all set. Uh, that this is my reread for era two it's so much better than the first time i read (laughs) really loving it have you read era two at all yet i have not touched era two yet um it's coming up in my whole cosmere read order but it's not yet and i've got a lot of non-cosmere stuff actually ahead of it in my tbr i'm partly appreciating era two more because i've read all the other cosmere stuff that's out Mm -hmm. so you know, I know Stormlight Archive is on your list. I'd say read that first. I think it actually is first. Well, not first, but before that, considering those are sitting on my shelf to be read. Yeah. Mistborn Era 2 is not yet. I definitely am getting a lot of the Cosmere tie-in with that now. But what I'm on the cusp of, as soon as I finish Dresden Files, is moving to The Expanse. 
Let's mm. move into some sci-fi. And, you know, we've heard good things from Jake on our Discord. He loves yep. those. Lots of other people on Twitter have jumped in with him, too. So it's almost here. Getting close. Okay. That'll be a really fun change of pace. One last thing. As we're recording this right now, our episode, our midweek special on to read or not to read on the Chronicles of Narnia, it yes. hasn't dropped yet. It's going to drop this coming Wednesday. But people who are not with us live... They will have already seen that episode. Okay. In that episode, we referenced that I only have five of the seven books. Yeah, and I gave you a lead. Yes. Well, I solved it. I solved where the missing two books are. Because you said you had taken the books to your mother's child care center and was yep. reading some. And well, one of the other employees wanted to borrow them. Yep. So she borrowed those two books. And then she quit. I mean, she just moved on to another job. Didn't get fired or anything. So you don't have them back, but you do know where they are. She she took the books with. They, she never returned them. And and it's all awkward now. And I'm never getting them back. So <laughs> it's just, okay, I know where they went now. Like I said in that episode, at least the, the two books that I didn't like as much as the ones I have. Okay. Uh... <sighs> all right. Let's get into this. We're doing three chapters today. Chapters three, four, and five. Sorry it's so boring. <laughs> the uh, big yawn just came out of Zach's mouth. That's going to happen all day today. <laughs> it's part of that hungover series. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> well, three chapters. Now, keep in mind, we've already done two episodes on The Shadow Rising. Chapter mm -hmm. one was a massive episode. Chapter two was pretty good-sized episode as well. Yeah, three, four, five are back to normal size chapters. In so fact, we can do them all in one. Chapter hopefully. five is a short little one. So is chapter four. It's really only chapter three that's good size. But yeah, we can totally get these banged out here now. So let's move into chapter three, which is called Reflection. Yes. Now, this is in the direct aftermath of the crazy attacks that took place in the previous chapter. You know, yes. Perrin and the Axe. Matt and his Matt playing and cards. cards. And Rand and the Reflections. Yeah, he was getting all reflective. But Anyways. We pick up with Perrin and Fael heading through the stone towards Rand's quarters. Remember, after the axe thing was done, we're going to go talk to that Rand and yep. tell him to quit trying to kill us. You know, whatever's going on, stop it. <laughs> now, despite the late hour, as they're moving through the stone, there's servants and soldiers everywhere still. And Perrin's like, why? Don't people sleep around here? And Fael's like, um, you know, the stone never really sleeps. In fact, there's things the servants like to do at night when most people are asleep. They can, you know, get some deep cleaning done, do things where they're not in the way. Because everybody else should be gone <laughs> in their beds. And yep. then she also notes, yeah, and some of these soldiers you see... They're probably up to things that um, maybe they shouldn't be doing. But since nobody's around, nobody notices. And that's why they don't like seeing us here right now. Now, we'll say things they shouldn't be doing doesn't necessarily mean things that are innately bad. It's no, just, just a little like, hanky panky. Is it technically kind of against rules they're supposed to be following? Probably. Yeah, maybe. Parent wishes they, they would behave, you know, just like, hey, we're just normal people like you. But of course they don't do that. They don't like seeing him. He's important. 
important people aren't supposed to be here right now. Mm-hmm. And then it also mentions he's got a connection to the Aes Sedai in their minds as well, because he's got that glowing golden eye thing going on. Kind of creepy. Yeah, nobody really talks about his golden eyes, but they sense, yeah, it's probably because he hangs with Aes Sedai. So. And he usually kind of tries to avoid eye contact when he can. And he's actually okay. Nobody asks him about those eyes because he doesn't want to talk about it. Nobody knows what that's really about. He's got these special abilities. And really, it's mostly, I mean, Moraine knows. And I'm not sure she even knows everything connected to those. He's been kind of (laughs) tight-lipped. Discord suggests maybe it's jaundice. (laughs) No, I don't think, I don't even know. Did they know about that disease then? Who knows? Is it a yellowing of the eyes of the irises? I mean, there is a slight difference. There is a difference. Just a minor. This is more like a hyperacute specific jaundice of a one place that shouldn't get it. Why not? Okay, we're getting too specific on this for Discord. Like, oh, <laughs> that's what they're saying. All right. On the way to Rand's quarters, they have two encounters with people of significance. First, they run into the High Lord Torian. Now, Torian doesn't see them coming. They, like, surprise him. Because he's standing in the corridor, looking down towards Rand's quarters. He's got a few mm-hmm. guards with him. But they're all looking down towards Rand's quarters like they're watching for something. Well, that's us. And really intently. Yeah. So, Perrin and Fayul come up behind, kind of like, Hey, what's happening? Was, ah, you know, big reaction. It is a big reaction. I mean, multiple of the guards half draw their swords. Right. <laughs> nice, Jordo. Yeah, he was uh, nodding knowingly down the corridor. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's partly startled in a way that makes it look like little sus that he was here. It feels like he's getting caught doing something he shouldn't exactly, be. Exactly. Exactly. And we don't really get many details of why. Why he's startled. Why he's here, even. They just have a little repartee and conversation back and forth. And Perrin doesn't appreciate the way Torian is really obviously checking Fayul out. Mm-hmm. We get some arrogant nobility on full display. So Perrin drops some insults and Torian decides I should leave. And that's pretty much it. And as they go, the guards do not resheathe their swords until they are, like, out of eyesight. Now, the fact that Perrin insults Torian because he didn't appreciate the way he was looking at Fael, she's a little annoyed by that. She's like, um, I can take care of myself. And yet at the same time, he can sense she doesn't mind that he didn't like some man checking her out. And we go a step further, it's not just him getting a sense, but we kind of highlight Perrin's wolfiness here as he smells something on her that states that she's kind of okay with it, even as she's annoyed. And he's like, I don't understand women, never will. Yeah, this is a key thing to note here. He's going to hear something. He's going to hear one thing. He's going to smell something else. And they don't seem quite in step. Pay attention to that. If you're a first-time reader, that's important. Mm-hmm. Once Torian and his men head off, and Perrin and Fayul continue towards Rand's quarters, they come upon Bear Lane, leaving 
Rand's quarters. And she's rushing down the hall and rushes right past them. I mean, Perrin tries to give a bow. I mean, she's a leader. She's a ruler. Uh, she doesn't even pay any attention. It's kind of fun and funny because in response to the whole Fael and the Lord Torian reaction, it was a whole, fine, I shouldn't be so callous with nobles. So he tries to do this bow with Fairlane and Fael barely gives a nod and she's apparently ticked at him for being so courteous to her. Well, keep in mind, this woman is rushing down the hallway wearing nothing but a really skimpy nightgown and a very thin robe. And she is a voluptuous woman. Very yeah. attractive by most measures. Perrin tried for one thing and um, maybe sent a different message. But not even, I mean, it's not even just that he bowed. As she walks by, he smells that she's terrified. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? And so you can see his head turn and follow her down. Now, what's Fayil seeing? There's Perrin checking this woman out. It's like, is that what's happening? No. <laughs> but it sure looks like it. She doesn't know anything about his sense of smell. She sees her boyfriend ogling this hot young thing walking down out of Ran's quarters. So, okay, you know, Fayil's putting two and two together. She just, you know, yeah. was with Rand. And now, now Rand's buddy Perrin is checking this out too. Excuse me, I'm right here. She adds two and two and ends up at 20 um, <laughs> and decides, nope, I'm going back to bed. Screw this. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much her reaction then. Suddenly, instead of being interested in going to talk to Rand, She's like, you go ahead and talk to him. You know, I've been avoiding him, and I don't really need to go and see him after all. And Perrin doesn't get it. He's like, no, nope. what? what? Why the shift? I mean, if you want to go to bed now, okay, I, I understand you're, you're tired, but I thought we were going to go talk to Rand together. He's clueless of why Fayil's ticked off now. Now, Perrin, I've been told you should never tell a woman she looks tired. <laughs> is that what Rach has told you? Never never say that to her? No, I think I first saw that in Doctor Who, strangely enough. <laughs> Learning from fantasy and sci-fi. Absolutely. Still true. So, yeah, Perrin's clueless. But, you know, he's got a an innocent naivete that Fayil does pick up on a little bit. So as she leaves, she doesn't leave in a huff. No. She's more like, oh, you poor parent you just you just don't get it and gives him a little little kiss and and off she goes she still thinks he was checking that woman out but oh absolutely she's just thinking i i just have to work on him a little bit he doesn't get why that's a problem <laughs> yeah well now he's alone he's gonna do what he came for he's gonna go on to rand's chambers now these chambers are the primo spot to stay in the stone of tear mm-hmm they're the king's quarters, which have not been used in a thousand years. I guess they've been kept up in good condition. But so Tyr used to have a king. Oh, yeah. But not since Arthur Hawkwing has there been another one. Because there's just been a whole bunch of high lords ruling together. Yeah. Hawkwing had created this whole empire. He'd conquered everything. And when it disintegrated, instead of them going back to a king, they had those high lords, like you mentioned. But... 
none of them were powerful enough to step forward and say, follow me, I'm the most important. No, no, they, they all kind of were even-tiered. And so they've jointly ruled and kind of by agreement left the king's quarters alone. Honestly, in some ways, it's kind of better because it means there hasn't been a massive, large-scale civil war in Tyr. So that's good. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, the High Lords have still sucked. Ask any yeah. peasant out on the street. But but go ask Kyrian how civil war works out. <laughs> good point. But, okay, now there is the Dragon Reborn, and the High Lords all look around and go, okay, he's not on our level, so King's Quarters, there you go! And, and he's there. And whether Rand accepted that or demanded that or just kind of got pushed into it and was like, or Moraine did it. Perrin doesn't really know. At the end of the day, yeah, Rand's there. You know, early on, Moraine was certainly positioning Rand to be this important guy. Gave him all those fancy clothes back in Shinar, yada, yada. I think Rand's past that. He's like, okay, I'm the dragon reborn. Where's the, where's the good room? That's mine. Okay, I'm here. It's good to be the king. <laughs> now, uh, as Perrin goes to enter his quarters, first he finds 50 defenders of the stone guarding Rand's sleep. And Perrin just barges right on through these guys. Now, the captain of this squad is like, you know, gonna, oh, wait, wait, gonna stop him. But then he's like, oh, but it's that guy. Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I guess we'll still not do our job and let another Carry person on. who we recognize go through. Yeah. And then he gets past those guys, gets to the real defenders. Okay, we had 50 soldiers. Yeah, those were the get... defenders. These are the ones defending. Yeah, the real serious guards. The ones who it would really be hard to get past. Six women. Now, <laughs> six Aiel maidens of the spear. Yes. You don't mess around with these ladies. And in fact, Perrin doesn't see them all when he first comes walking up. They're kind of in shadow. Because their clothes just kind of blend into the stone. They don't stand out. But as he walks forward, oh, here they are. And he knows two of them. Bane and Chiad. Remind us why he knows Bane and Chiad. I'm, in my current state, going to spoil something later if i try to say where we know bane and jihad specifically from <laughs> so i need to pull back and be like what have we seen from them so far i don't remember bane and jihad we first met back in kyrian when the girls were captured by those yes. thugs and they were part of the group that broke in and, and rescued the girls mm -hmm. okay, from the mirror and bad guys perrin wasn't there Plus, they were around, obviously, during the attack on the stone. But just last chapter, it was referenced that these are two that Fayil have been hanging out with. Gotcha. She's so that was what I was with careful not to be talking about, because I couldn't remember if we knew that or not. Yeah, we do already know that. Jordo remembered, by the way, his comments there. Fantastic. The yes. He comes up to them, and, and the two that know him through Fayil, they have conversations saying, you know, I don't think we can let you in. I don't think he'd like to see you right now. Why not? What are they drawing that from? I mean, what has just happened that would well, give them the, the thought that he might not want to see Perrin? The last thing they saw was someone much more attractive and enticing than Perrin basically come running out in terror being sent away so if he's gonna send her away 
what what chance has Perrin got, really? Dude, you do not have going for you what she had going for her. You do have a nice beard started. Um, <laughs> so I guess if Rand's into that. <laughs> if he's into beards. But Perrin's like, no, I need to talk to him. And they pull out their spears. Bane and Chiad both. And even make a wisecrack of, oh, you want to play Maiden's Kiss? <laughs> he's like, eh maybe some other time and they're like hey, yeah but he pushes aside because he's like they haven't veiled they're not gonna do anything they're, this is just bluster it goes a step further he picks one of them up he does just, whoop whoop picks up puts yeah. down <laughs> he's a strong buff dude and it's only like after he's put her down that he realizes and goes right they absolutely could have stabbed into my neck that probably wasn't wise but this is where it's a good thing that he understands them a little bit and also that they know his wife. So they're really not going to mess with him. Mm-hmm. But they do make a comment. Okay, if he's going to go in anyways, and they've already said, we don't think he's going to see you. The last comment, I think it's Chiad says, well, on your head be it. He's already chased out what most men would consider better company by far than you. So sealing yep. up what you had referenced already. I would like to point out a little thing that gets mentioned as a throwaway, kind of goes back to some of the conversation we've had previously about the Aiel. Perrin mentioned something about knowing that they veil themselves when they're ready to kill, but not necessarily that they need to be veiled. And the way he seems to kind of think it is a unknown. It's a, at least as far as he's concerned, he doesn't know if they'd be willing to kill while veiled or not. So it's still technically in the dark as to whether they would go, hold on, let me put my veil on and then kill. (laughs) Undetermined. All right. Well, he opens the door then and everything changes because no one's prepared for what he sees. There's a disaster zone in this room. Broken mirrors hanging on the walls and standing just crashed all over. Shattered bits of glass all over the floor. Broken Mm -hmm. furniture. Even the bed is slashed up. I mean, feathers are poof everywhere. And there's Rand sitting on the floor at the base of the bed with Kalendor across his knees. And he looks like he literally took a bath in blood. Just red everywhere. Actively bleeding everywhere. He is covered in blood. And my favorite descriptor is that there are little little glimmery bits, basically, in all these cuts where shards of glass have embedded themselves inside of him. Yeah, it's nasty looking. It's straight out of a horror flick. And Perrin's like, get Moraine! Go! Now! Get her! Obviously, Rand needs help. <laughs> His first move is he needs help. His second move is what can I do to help? And Rand's like... Come on in, close the door. So he does. He steps into the room. He closes the door. The Aiel stay outside because Rand didn't call for them. And Perrin's like, what the heck, dude? (laughs) What happened here? And what did you do to us, too? Because, like, you almost killed us. He doesn't go into the details of what happened. But clearly, uh, something you did something here, and you did it to me. And what's going on? And Rand's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Didn't get the reference. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Someone out there hopefully did and can drop into the the comments. Jim, that was from blah, blah, blah. Okay. (laughs) 
Anyways, I looked at Discord. See if Jordo knew. It's fine. It's <laughs> not your kind of music. You're good. <laughs> okay. Rand says, yeah, it, it wasn't me. It had to be a Forsaken. But honestly, he admits, I'm just guessing. I don't know of a Forsaken. Was that the right reference now in mm-hmm. Discord? Okay, mm-hmm. see, he knew. <laughs> so it's he's just guessing, but he's saying, I didn't do it to you. I didn't do it to myself. Honestly, all I did was not die. That's what I actively did in this room. Well, you didn't do a great job at it because you look really bad. <laughs> and Perrin is like, okay, so you didn't do this to yourself and you didn't do it to me. Where's Matt? Did something happen to Matt too then? If something just randomly happened to both of us? Rand's like, yeah, I don't know where Matt is, but I'll tell you, if something like this happened to him, he's probably halfway to the gates now and is getting gone. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a good thing. Because if these things are going to start happening around me, you guys probably aren't going to want to stick around. Now, from their conversation, waiting for Moraine to arrive to provide some healing, okay, we pick up on a key point. Rand is working to figure out what he should do. That's what he's been doing these last couple of weeks here in Tier, trying to figure out what next. What's my next move? And what he's figured out so far is that he needs to do what everyone least expects. Mm-hmm. What's just happened here tonight just drives that home for sure. I'm right. I need to figure out what's the thing nobody would guess I'm going to do. I have to do something the Forsaken won't predict. Honestly, that nobody is going to be able to predict. Yeah. That's my move. Why? That's well, my question for you, Zach. Why? Up until this point, he's been following breadcrumbs basically left by bad guys. He was sent to the eye of the world by a bad guy. He was sent to Falme by a bad guy chasing after the Horn of Valir, which was taken by a bad guy. He went to go get Kalendor by dreams that were put in his head by a bad guy. <laughs> but we go further and look at the dreams he's been having and being poked and prodded and people trying to collar him into submission here and there for their own agendas. And whether it comes from the Forsaken or from Aes Sedai or just general rulers now, these high lords and such, everyone wants to trap or use or kill him in some way. And he needs to do something that puts him completely off their paths. So what I just heard from you is that wearing a collar and being submissive is a bad thing. For Rand in the situation, correct. <laughs> okay. It's, most importantly, it would not be consensual. That is the problem. <laughs> the door is open at this point. Breaking up this conversation, the Aiel clan chief Ruark slips into the room. One of the few people that the maidens outside would probably let in. Mm-hmm. He says rumors are spreading about what's happened here. Crazy things like the White Tower attacked the Dragon Reborn. Or the last battle is starting. Yeah, but I, I came across Berylane, who was like crazy out of her mind, and got her to tell me what really happened. And, and Rand's like, I told her not to tell anybody. And Rourke's like, I looked in her eyes. She's terrified. She ain't telling anybody else. Yeah, I mean, he also says, I've got daughters older than her. So kind of implying I came at it from a fatherly, caring approach. And she, she shared because she needed to share with somebody. But yeah. She probably wants to forget anything ever happened. So I, I don't think you have to worry, Rand. Then Maureen and Lan arrive. Fantastic. Now Maureen, she sees and wants to know what happened. 
But Lan alternately cracks wise here. That great stoic humor. He says, thought you were old enough to shave without someone to guide your hand. And we get a nice moment of respect and growing camaraderie as Ruark piles on. He is young yet. He will learn. It's <laughs> wonderful to see these two absolute badasses standing there acknowledging each other, but also kind of slightly measuring swords in their posture. I, I mostly sense, though, that they're both taking the same kind of approach in supporting and understanding Rand. You know, he's a young man. We're just, you know, this was a serious thing, but maybe it's a little easier if we just kind of have a little fun with it. Let's not be too serious. Now, Moraine, she glares at both of them and, and it just screams out. She doesn't say this, but you sense it. <sighs> Men, you know, kind of thing. It's totally valid. And she's right. But at the same time, they can't do anything here, Moraine. You can. So she is going to. She turns to healing Rand. This is what we need to address. She tells him, touch the true source. And he's like, uh, why? I, I can't heal myself. And she explains, you know, the power for healing comes from the person doing the healing, but also mm -hmm. draws from just your personal health, your wellness. It mostly comes from the healed. Right. And if I heal you that way, it's going to suck a lot of your stamina. You'll be flat on your back for the next two days. But if you're holding the one power when I do it, not channeling, not doing anything, but just holding it, some of the strength for the healing will come from your connection with the power instead of sucking out of your body. It'll make it much more effective. So it's a wonderful little tidbit we learn here that channelers can indeed be healed better than other people, not because they can heal themselves, but just because they can do it without sucking so much of their own energy. It might imply in a battle context, Aes Sedai could keep going and coming back for more and more, even if they're wounded, as long as they have some other Aes Sedai in the background ready for a quick heal. We'll see if that comes about at some point. Well, he's like, okay, I'll try to grab the one power. She's like, use Kalendor even if you have to. I know you're tired. You're pretty, you know, hurt and stuff. Well, he can't. He tries spend some time everybody just staring at Rand, just sitting there for a moment because no one can see him doing anything with the power it's just he sits there for a few seconds and he's like yeah every time i try to grab it it just slips away and he's like because he doesn't know why he doesn't understand why he can't grab the power he's referenced before this sort of thing just mm -hmm. can happen and he, he gets he... um performance issues it's fine oh, yes he doesn't understand. He wants a pill for it. They haven't made that yet. Darn. So Moraine goes ahead and proceeds with healing him the usual way, which leaves him then exhausted. I mean, literally, he's sitting on the floor and she zaps him and he, he jumps up to his feet. Ah! You know, it's so ah, overwhelming. But when it's done, instead of collapsing, he stays up on his feet, kind of using Kalendor like a cane, mm -hmm. hanging onto the bed. He's going to be strong. She looks at him. He is healed, except that that old injury is now just kind of a tender scar again. It's not really totally healed. The uh, What we referenced last time is the staff infection. Yeah. It, I, th I think we want to keep that, the staff infection. The staff infection works. is still going. 
Yeah. She just references the being puzzled again. But this one just seems to resist being healed. And Rand says, well, of course it will. I mean, that's what's going to eventually kill me, isn't it? Just like the prophecy says, his blood on the rocks of Sheogul, washing away the shadow, sacrifice for man's salvation. Now, what exactly is that from? That would be from the Koreathon cycle, the prophecies yes. of the dragon. Moraine says, you read too much. Nerd. And you don't understand enough. <laughs> Nerd. Nice. Rand throws back, okay, fine. If I don't understand enough, that means you're saying you understand more. So tell me what I need to know. Tell me more. Tell me more. Nope. I, I get that reference. That one yeah, I get. It was old enough for you. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Way before your time. Land then interjects. Okay, so they're sparring back and forth a little, Moraine and Rand. And Land basically stands up for Rand. He's only trying to find his way, as any man would and should. And Perrin's like, whoa, you're siding with Rand? Like, you're always backing up Moraine? When does this happen? Now, of course, Lan and Rand have been spending a lot of time together here the last mm -hmm. couple of weeks. They're back to practicing the sword forms. And oh, yeah. We'd seen that back in Shinar before. He's spent less and less time with Matt and Perrin, not really hanging out with his friends or anything. But Lan? Nah, Lan's basically his best friend. They beat up on each other all the time. So yeah, one might say they're, they've been bonding. Not the, you know, water eyes to die bonding, but bonding time. Yeah. Moraine announces Rand will need to rest. Let's get a new bedchamber prepared for him so we can get this disaster zone put right again. But Rand says, no, I will not be chased from my quarters. I will sleep here. And Rand hears from Lan, Tarshar Manetherin. Again, Lan seems to be egging Rand on as he pushes back against Moraine. And this time, even Ruark's a little startled. That, Whoa, dude, what are you doing? Basically, we're seeing a circumstance where Moraine says white, Rand says black. Moraine says go left, Rand says I'm going right. You know, the complete opposites. Mm -hmm. And Lan is, go Rand, go. Go, Rand, go. Yeah, it's not so much that Lan's going, you're making the right choice, Rand, I agree with you, but rather more like, yeah, good for you, stick up for yourself and not listen to Moraine. But both Perrin and Ruark kind of at the same time sense this might be headed towards one of those full-out blowout arguments. Exit stage right. <laughs> good call. They both start creeping towards the door. And the woman has eyes in the back of her head because she doesn't even look at them. She's still laser focused at Rand, but like points. Don't you move. Stay where you are. <laughs> They're not getting out of the room. Well, that's not nice. No. Then Moraine is like, fine. You want to be a stubborn idiot. You don't want to listen to my guidance. Fine. You might as well then take the time to tell me how you actually created this mess. Maybe I can help you discern what you did wrong. And, and a quote from the text here. She says, you must learn to control it. And I do not mean just because of things like this. If you do not learn to control the power, it will kill you. What should we discern here that Moraine has assumed happened, Zach? Well, just like everyone else, they assume it Rand did this. It's his fault. Oops. Yeah. Somehow he was trying to do something. He lost control or something. It's clearly his fault. As they talk about this, then, 
it becomes clear. Rand didn't do this. Unless he can channel without even realizing he's channeling. And Moraine says, it doesn't work that way. Like, you know, he's having a sleep and in a nightmare, he starts zapping people. It's like, no, no, that that's not how channeling works. Mm-hmm. Does say something interesting that apparently you can kind of channel in your sleep, maybe, but only spirit. Have we heard of anyone channeling as they've gone to sleep? Yes, we have. Going into the world of dreams. But that yes, was, again, I... just spirit. Was it? Yes. Yes. Was it? Yes. To enter into the world of dreams or channeling it in the world of dreams? Didn't you have to channel to get into the world of dreams? Or is it just sleeping the... with the Terangrial just touching you? you I believe it's that? just with it touching you. Ah, okay. Well, Moraine is assuming anyways, coming. that's almost kind of a little tangent, yes. that he's not going to be just channeling in the real world here doing chaos while he's sleeping. That's the point of that. He was like, so it had to be a Forsaken then. And I mean, uh, we know Samael's over in Ilion. Could he have done this from there? And she's like, uh, no, not even a Forsaken has that much power to do attacks like this. Mm-hmm. All the way from hundreds of miles away. So Rand's like, then there's a Forsaken in Tear. We've got to find him. She's like, mm, no, don't think that's it either. And she has an interesting rationale. She says this was too simple and too complex to be what a Forsaken would do. What do you make of that? She doesn't really explain that comment. It feels more of a sense of this wasn't like a crafted scheme with many laid out steps and stuff. It was just like, no, this was an event. This just happened. Mm -hmm. But also with it just happening, it wasn't like, oh, a fireball exploded in the middle of the stone. It's like, no, weird stuff happened. We had weird mirror reflections with interesting physics that makes mostly no sense, but also does because magic. Yeah. Something that would take a lot of effort in the power to figure out how to do, let alone actually do it. So in processing through this, Moraine says, you know, I think what this really is, is a symptom of the Dark One's prison weakening. We know he's not loose, but we know some of the seals on the prison are broken. Therefore, he's impacting the world. And I think she just makes this up on the fly here. I mean, there's no evidence for where she would have come up with this. I think she's just creating a theory that seems to fit what's possible. She's thinking like a white and using logical reasoning. So she's saying, let's suppose with the prison weakening, there are times where the dark essence of his evil can maybe slip out through the cracks, like a little bubble of his evilness. And it's just going to float out there on the pattern until something activates it. And in this case, your Taviranness activated the bubble of evil. Like it's just out there and then it, it, it got attracted like a magnet, sucked onto you and then went... It's kind of like bubbles out there and when it hits something like a thread in the pattern, it will pop. Yeah. Discord said the same thing. Pop. Exactly. But just like all the other threads, they're going to be centered more towards these strands that are more central to the pattern, that gravitate everything to it. And in this conversation, she's basically commenting 
I recognize something happened with Perrin too. You're both Taviran, so it kind of fits the theory. Both of you had these bubbles come at you and do their thing. And if this theory is correct, she's saying, we can expect in the coming months, years, if we get lucky, more and more of these bubbles of evil may come out into the world and then not just affect Taviran like you, but may start affecting more and more people. This is not a good thing, mm -hmm. but still it's not a targeted attack. It's just the thing that happened because we're getting close to the last battle. So basically what Moraine's saying is, this is just shitty and it's going to keep happening. And there's not a blooming thing we can do about it other than just weather the storm until we get to the end. Good luck. Don't die. Yeah, that sucks. Ruark, by the way, shares at this point that, you know, if you're worried all the Taviran got hit, because he knows all three boys are Taviran. Mm -hmm. It's like, I saw Matt on my way here. I saw him walking through the stone. He's fine. And he was not fleeing the city. In fact, he was headed towards the servants' quarters. And there's no place down there where he would be trying to, you know, catch a horse and go. He wasn't by the stables. He wasn't, there's no boat at the docks. <laughs> He's not trying to leave. He was just headed somewhere else. Matt's doing something, but not leaving. Yeah, that's good. Bane and Chiad interrupt further conversation at this point. The, the doors open and they're carrying in water and rags for cleaning Rand up. They say a servant brought it, but wouldn't enter the room basically scared by the rumors she'd heard. Mm -hmm. Rand, he just laughs. <laughs> yeah. Well, Moraine tells Rand, okay, your time is running out. You need to recognize something like this could happen again at any time. Plus, you do have the Forsaken out there that could come attack. And the people here in Tyr, especially the High Lords, they're going to eventually perhaps get tired of the circumstance, the status quo, and they, some of them may take action. Mm -hmm. You might suddenly find poison in your food at some point, and you could die like anyone else. You've got to make up your mind. What are we going to do next? Well, you're right, but you don't get to know that. In fact, he's irritated at the sense that she's trying to pressure him to make a decision. It's like, I will make a decision when I'm ready to make a decision. And if I feel like it, I'll tell you what I'm going to do but I don't have to tell you squat. It's a little bit of, of his two riversness peeking out here. Being a horse that will not be prodded, even if it is dying of thirst and the river is 10 feet away. There you go. So he does dismiss them all. He said, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. I am going to get some sleep now. And everybody starts to leave the room except Bane and Chiad. They fully intend to clean Rand up. He's like, I'm a grown man. I can take care of myself. Just leave that stuff there. They're like, well, we'll tell you what. If you can make us put the stuff here and leave the room, we'll let you clean yourself. And he is in no shape to do that. Yeah, he's completely exhausted. He can barely move, so... It's debatable <laughs> if he could do that, say, for with the power. Good point. If he was healthy, so... Yeah. So Bane and Chiat are left in the room to attend to Rand. Now, Perrin had kind of overseen that little... Thing going on as he walked out and he turns to Ruark and says, so how come Uiel treat Rand different than everybody else around here, all the people in Tyr? I mean, he's the Dragon Reborn and you guys don't seem to have that uh, Dragon Rebornness about you. Yeah, Ruark basically goes, uh, Dragon Reborn, that's a Wetlander prophecy. We don't care. Nope. We have our own thing. He who comes with the Dawn. We think it's Rand, but if it is, 
He's got some more things he's got to do to prove it first. And even so, he who comes with the dawn is just a man. It's nothing special and like worshipful for us. It's just the guy who's going to lead us. But yeah, he's got more prophecy of ours to fulfill, if that's truly what's going on here. And if it turns out he's not that guy, well, then we'll go back to looking. We think it's Rand, but it might not be. Which is a little bit terrifying when you realize these Aiel are here and completely deadly and could decide Rand's not the one they're looking for and may or may not leave peaceably. Right. But let's say they do leave peaceably. That leaves Rand with all these Terran people around him who really are only following him because he and the Aiel conquered the stone. Mm -hmm. What if there are no Aiel? Rand against all of the nobles, the high lords, and their soldiers? Hmm. Perrin's like, okay, I gotta stay with my buddy Rand. He needs backup. But this might not be real safe here. I think that, you know, Fayil was thinking of leaving. I need to make sure she decides to leave. And not with me. She needs to go for her own safety. Because being about Rand might not be cool. You know, it's wonderful that you care about her and want to take care of her. You really should communicate that well and properly and really hash things out with her. Unfortunately, Perrin, in this circumstance, he's an idiot. <laughs> that's not going to go well. All right, that's the end of chapter three. Again, that was the longer of our three chapters. Let's move on to chapter four. Not very long at all. And it's called Strings. So moving on from everything we've been talking about, now we get to visit Tom Marilyn. Oh, good. So this is flowing with the time. Okay, so mm -hmm. now we, we go, what's up with Tom Marilyn? Well, he's in his rooms in the Stone of Tear, and he's keeping himself occupied, burning the midnight oil. He's, he's writing some stuff, and he's got a bunch of crumpled paper. So he's been writing and trying to get something just right. It's really some illicit skills he's put into work here. What is Tom up to, Zach? Oh, yeah. He's forging a document to be in a specific lord's hand to hide in a different lord's lady's bedchambers where it will be found by said lord so that then it could be like looked at and be like, whose handwriting is this and cause troubles. It's a lot of scheming within the game of houses. Yes. Tom is someone we have learned in the past was very skilled at Days Damar. For some reason, he's back to playing the great game here, but in tear. Tom's interrupted at this point by a knock on his door. He's like, oh, quickly put all this stuff away. Uh, this is not something he wants people knowing he's doing. Mm -hmm. So the incriminating evidence gets hidden. He looks around his room, makes sure everything looks kind of normal. And we get a sad comment here because he... He sees something that reminds him of the fact that he's been, for part of the time now, enjoying the company of women. Yes, but not getting too close. No real entanglements. Yeah, he tells himself he has no time for such things. But what's really going on with that, Zach? It's less that he has no time for such things and more he's been too recently hurt and doesn't want to hurt anyone else. Especially considering the last time he let himself get attached he feels responsible for getting that person killed. Poor Dana. Yeah. It wasn't Dana. What was the name? Uh, was it Dana? Is it, it Dina? Uh, honestly, 
it's one of those things where if she'd been around deep. for more than five chapters, I would remember her name, but like we barely <laughs> knew her. There's I'm sorry. Over 2,000 named characters. Discord Should is telling us it's Dina. Dina. Should I care that she died? <laughs> yes. Do I? More just for how it kind of impacts Tom. In our defense, this chapter does not name her. It's just we're we're pulling back from memories of the Great Hunt, knowing that took place. Oh, I'm and not he's, defending he's still myself. Traumatized. I'm just biting the bullet that I don't care enough about her. <laughs> Hi, Emmelyn. Emmelyn's here. We've just started the second of our three chapters, so you've only missed one. There's still goodness to come. Now we find where Matt was heading because the person knocking at the door is Matt Cawthon. Ah. So apparently Tom has settled into quarters amongst the more common people of the stone down by the servants. And Matt has been here. He's been hanging out with Tom a little. I mean, we learned before he was hoping Tom would leave with him, leave Tyr, and that Tom is kind of getting comfortable. He doesn't seem to be interested in leaving now. So we know Matt and Tom have been together. Tom is surprised to see Matt. He's like, mm -hmm. um, I thought you were out gambling tonight, you know, trying to filch some funds off the Lordlings. What's going on? However, Tom's also very insightful. And so he sees something's wrong. Something's going on. And I'm not going to get it by asking. Yeah. So he immediately just acts like it's a normal visit. Tom, Matt's just coming by and goes... Shall we get out the stones board? Have a game? Mm -hmm. Now, in the midst of this, we get quick confirmation of something that's easy for a first-time reader to have missed. Mm -hmm. I mean, Matt has totally missed it. Matt thinks just Tom decided to slum it with the servants. But what's really going on here is Tom has intentionally arranged quarters by the servants as just a humble gleeman so everyone will overlook that he's doing anything of more importance it says he actually found a spare moment a brief moment to talk with rand and in two sentences explained his plan and rand was like that's good yes do it so tom is spending time listening what's going on paying attention to what's happening in the background and doing what he can to support and help rand from the shadows basically We've got three things keeping Rand safe-ish in his current position. He channels, holds Kalendor slash Dragon Reborn. He's got the Aiel in the stone. And then he's got Tom working in the background to make all these other High Lords support him for their own reasons without realizing it. Mm -hmm. But Matt doesn't get any of that. No. He has no idea what Tom's up to. Tom offers, like you said, to get out the stones board, play a game. But Matt's like, no, 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 thanks, but... I don't want to play games. It's too late for games. <sighs> Honestly, I just want to know, did anything happen down here? Tom's like, uh, like what? You know, like something that might imply Rand is going insane and will soon be killing us all? Nope. No, nothing like that. <laughs> At Tom's prompting, Matt tells the whole story then of what happened to him. And he ends with noting, you know, I'm thinking of leaving Tear. Now, Tom has heard that from Matt pretty much from the moment Matt walked into the Stone of Tear. Yeah, every night that they do play, he definitely hears it at least three times. <laughs> but Tom has also had the same thoughts himself. He really should be away from all this. He felt compelled to stick around and try to help Rand, 
Make sure he doesn't get maneuvered by the High Lords into a corner. But he's like, but Moraine could do that. I mean, she's Kyrie Annan. She knows how to do that stuff. What's that got to do with anything that she's Kyrie Annan? They're really good at the game. They've kind of been playing it since birth, especially for the nobility, which she is. Yes. The problem is she's also an Aes Sedai. So Tom is sure she'd be roping him into the White Tower's schemes. And he does not want to see that happen to Rand. Remind us of why, because this is how he got sucked into Rand in the very first place. He's still trying to repay a 15-year-old debt when his nephew, who could channel, was gentled and died without him being able to actually do anything about it. Right. But honestly, Tom faces, okay, nothing I'm going to do for Rand is going to bring Owen back. No. I really should let it go. I mean, he's the freaking Dragon Reborn. He should be able to take care of himself. I should be out of here tonight. But am I? No. So then he turns back to Matt and he says, okay, why haven't you left already since you keep talking about it? And Matt's response, well, Moraine is always watching me. She's keeping tabs. I know it. Tom's response is nonsense. I know you can avoid eyes when you want to. I mean, you snuck into the stone. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something else. So Matt comments, well, yeah. I mean, there's always something that comes up. All the good to be done. You know, all this gold I can win. I mean, I'm That's building riches. Then there's the girls in the kitchens. There's some that, you know, enjoy that kiss and tickle. Distractions. Matt's really just procrastinating, but has a potentially supernatural reason helping him. Basically, every time he turns around, there's another reason he thinks, maybe I'll leave tomorrow. Not today. And Tom says, you know, maybe it's it's another reason. And Matt says, if you say to Viren, I'm out of here. He doesn't want to hear right. anything about that Tavirin stuff. So Matt, Tom's not going to say what he was going to say, because that was it. Instead, he says, ah, you know, more like Rand's your friend, and you didn't want to desert him. And Matt's like, my friend, he's the bloody dragon reborn. That sort of trumps friendship. I'd have to be crazy to stay here because of friendship. Now, he says that. He says that. But is that really what's going on in his head? Matt refuses to accept what, what probably is reality, that he's being kept here by Tavirin pulling. So instead, he goes on to another one. What about, you know, the fact I keep getting distracted and given reasons to stay day after day? Doesn't that sound like something an Aes Sedai would do? I, maybe I'm being manipulated by Moraine in some way. Tom just has to bite his tongue again. He's like, mm-hmm. nope, that's Tavirin. That's Tavirin. And instead just kind of redirects and goes, you know who might be a good source to talk to about this? You should go talk to that Nynaeve. Yeah. That, that would be a good source. Wasn't she the wisdom of your village? Didn't she do stuff like talking like this? Helping people work out their problems. I get the sense Tom's going, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> well, he doesn't jump on the Nynaeve option either. Nope. Instead, he's like, yeah, Nynaeve always still looks at me like I'm a child. <laughs> she doesn't get me. Okay? That's not someone I want to talk to either. You know what? Never mind. Forget it, Tom. Thanks. 
but no thanks. I'm just going to go pick up my stuff, go down and find a horse, and I'm out of here. Not a minute longer. Now's the time. And Tom's like, what? Middle of the night? Are you sure? Surely the morning would do. Come, sit down, play a game. Matt's like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. All right, all right, let's play some stones. Just like that, yeah. Matt's diverted if, again. If Tom was a bigger jerk, this is when he would go, Tavirin. Tavirin. Yeah, uh, and he sees it. Tom's like, yes, this is obviously Tavirin pulling. He's not supposed to leave yet. That's why it's so easy to get him to stay. Matt's not going anywhere. Since he's not going to do anything else right now, let's move on to the next chapter. Chapter five. Okay. This is called Questioners. And who are the questioners? And who are they asking questions? Not people wearing white cloaks. Yeah, these are not the white cloak questioners, no, which is no. a little confusing that we have a chapter called Questioners, and we have a thing called Questioners, and they're not at all related. The people we're going to see asking questions in this chapter are Egwene and Nynaeve. Now, here's the deal. They're in a room with the Black Aja prisoners. So Joya Bayer and Amiko Nagoyan. Okay, the two that were captured. When the stone was <laughs> captured, these two were captured. They're both in the room with them. Joya is shielded with her back to them and her ears plugged so they, she can't hear anything. She can't see anything. And Amiko is the one they have been in the midst of having conversation with, doing some questioning. Now, Joya, I mentioned, is shielded. Mm -hmm. And Egwene's holding that shield. Amiko is not shielded, though she's held with weaves of air. Why is Amiko not shielded? She was stilled, was she yeah, not? Yeah, she got no power anymore. She was stilled. Egwene stilled her. Not on purpose. It's just what happened in the midst of what was done in Teleron Riyadh and, and stuff. So she can sense the power, but she can no longer touch it. Mm -hmm. So she's powerless. Now, the reason they were here right now this evening... And just the two of them with these Black sisters is Moraine had said, I will help you tonight. I'll give you an hour and we'll we'll question. Because they've already tried to question these women before. Lots of times they haven't gotten anywhere. They yeah. haven't gotten what they feel is true information. So they asked Moraine to help. And this was the time. And Moraine was with them for five minutes. And then had to go. And Aiel showed up needing her. And she left and she took Elaine with her. So it's just the two of them with someone else. There is an Aiel guard with them. Someone who's kind of been assigned by Moraine to hang out with the girls for some reason. Who is that Aiel in the room? Well, it works out it is someone we've met before, Avienta. Mm-hmm. So they've been getting to know each other a little more. Yeah. Perhaps even a little friendship is starting to blossom. They've been chatting and going, and Egwene's thinking and stuff like, I wouldn't mind being this person's friend. Yeah. It's a little awkward, though, because yeah. Avienda is very deferential to them because she believes they are Aes Sedai. That's how they were introduced to her back in mm -hmm. the last book. And Moraine has not corrected that. Moraine can't lie. No. She has not said they're Aes Sedai. But she, she hasn't just, corrected the lie. No one's asked her. So she's allowed the assumptions to stand. And here in the Stone of Tear, it makes sense because you're going to be more effective and more powerful of a stance. If you say, yeah, there might be four female channelers here and someone interprets that as there are four Aes Sedai here rather than there's one and a bunch of newbies. 
Exactly. When Moraine got pulled away, they waited a little while. Moraine hasn't come back. Okay, well, we might as well get back to doing work ourselves. Turning back to Amiko again, they ask her questions again about what she knows. They want information. They want to know, okay, what other Black sisters might be in the White Tower? Where did the other sisters who escaped go? What can you tell us? And Amiko, again and again, is basically saying, I can't, I don't know anything. We learn a few specific things. Mm-hmm. One, we learn that she does not know of any other Black sisters other than the ones, these 13, she had been part of. Because before they left the tower, she only knew, like, two others. Leandrin knew all of them, all 13 of them. She's the one that collected them and said, we are leaving. So Leandrin maybe knows more, but that's not how Black Haja worked. We, each of us, only know a couple other people. No, it was very disconnected yeah so i have no names i can't give you more names i'm not lying i don't know all the names i know you already know that's right she does say as to where the rest of them went you should go to tanchico Mm. and here's why i overheard leandrin one time talking to tamale that there's something in tanchico that would be dangerous to rand now it's also dangerous to whoever uses it which is why Leandrin hadn't already gone to get it. And whatever it is, Rand's channeling won't protect him. In fact, that's what makes it dangerous to him, that they'll be able to bind him to their use because he can channel. So what I'm hearing is channeling does not offer good SPF. If Rand went over to Tanchico, he would not be tanning. In fact, he would just burn with his white complexion. Nice. And red hair. Hmm. But the sisters, they went to Tanchico. They might be on the beaches tanning. It's possible. I mean, might as Hanging well. out. I hear it's a nice spot. They make good drinks. That's all she knows. She has said this to them dozens of times already. They keep asking for more. She's got nothing else. So they decide, okay, we're not going to get any more out of her. They plug her ears with one power again. They turn her around so she can't see... Uh, they're done with her for now. Mm-hmm. Now, as Egwene channels to Turner and plug her ears and stuff, Avienda shudders. Egwene uh, notes again, this girl does not like when people use the power around her. Every time I do, she shudders. Huh. That might be important. Hint, hint. Not going to say anything about why yet. We've referenced it once before, so we're we're referencing it again. Pay attention to that. But Avienda actually has a comment here, too, about Amiko before they do move on to Joya. She says, have you noticed how she doesn't look ageless anymore? Her face has changed. And the others are like, huh, yeah? Egwene kind of walks around to look at the front of her face again and went, you're kind of right. She looks young, younger than her years, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't have that same look anymore. And the postulating then is maybe that's part of her having been stilled. She's lost the agelessness. Interesting. But they don't really know because this is not something people study much. The Aes Sedai find it very uncomfortable to think about women who can channel losing the ability to channel. Why? Oh yeah, Black Aja or not, if... Egwene had been found out by the rest of the tower that this had happened like immediately after, she'd be in big trouble. 
why are they uncomfortable thinking about anyone being stilled? Or the other term, if they on their own use the power too much and burn out, why does that make I said I uncomfortable to even think about? Well, the biggest thing is just how wonderful and addicting the power is. So the idea of being cut off from it is being cut off from the best, most important thing in your life, basically, and often leads in cases that we know of, whether male or female, to depression and worse. Yeah, they lose the will to live. They give up. There's no point if they can't channel anymore. They really need to get like, I don't know, support groups for gentle men or something. It just <laughs> I feel like would be really good you could really help them through their traumas. Now, as horrible as this is, the truth of the matter is there's no point studying it because once it's happened to you, there's nothing you can do about it. It can't be healed. That's what they've all learned. Years and years ago, apparently the Brown Aja did study it, did research, you know, tried to find a way. Was there a way to reverse losing access mm -hmm. to the power? You burned out, could you somehow fix it? They came up nothing. with nothing, and since then have given up looking. There's no point. So it's an uncomfortable topic. If it happens to you, that's the end of the line. Let's let's not talk about it. Now they turn then to Joya. And the story they get from her is completely different from what Amiko is saying. Joya, as soon as she's allowed to speak basically says, blessing of the light to you, and may the creator shine upon you. She's basically trying to convince them, I've seen the light, I've repented, I've turned from the dark ways, because Joya, here's the Brand problem. is the dragon reborn, he's fulfilled the prophecy, that means he's gonna defeat the dark one, there's no point staying evil, I've come back! Yeah, she rolled a nat one on her deception check, that is not going to convince anybody. She's just being the sweetest old grandma she can be. I'm just a dear old person who made horrible mistakes. Please forgive me. No. I just want to serve. No. Now, the girls don't believe her at all. No. Yeah, they're not buying it. Which means a very troubling thing. It's further confirmation that somehow when sisters go black, they can be freed from the three oaths. They can lie. They yeah. Somehow, swearing to the Dark One must override those oaths. Very disturbing to think Aes Sedai could somehow have a way to be able to lie. Now, that information that she's giving them then, she's telling them what she knows. And again, no names of people in the White Tower who might be Black. But she's telling them, trying to warn them of what Leandrin's plan is. And what they, what they need to be prepared for and try to stop. See, she knows that Leandrin's plan is to break Mazrum Taim free. Now, he was that false dragon up in Saldea who was mm -hmm. captured and is being taken to the White Tower to be gentle. And Leandrin's going to break him out before he makes it to Taravalan. He's a very powerful channeler. They're going to set him up as the true dragon reborn, Randall Thor. Well, that's not good. And they're going to set him loose to wreak havoc and destroy everywhere. Conquer armies, rip things down as Randall Thor, the Dragon Reborn. So what I'm hearing is it's a very destructive people will die smear campaign. 
Absolutely. Now the girls say, this is impossible. The pattern will not accept another dragon now that the real dragon reborn has been revealed. Joya's like, so is that what Maureen told you? Pattern schmattern. Regardless, even if he can't somehow claim he's a dragon reborn, he can still claim he's Randall Thor. He can still go out and do all this chaos. Mm-hmm. And what it will cause is the people of this land will not come to Randall Thor. They will nope. turn on Randall Thor, especially when he's with Aiel. They already don't trust the Aiel. Yeah, the Aiel War 20 years ago, that was the last time all the nations of the land rose up. And they'll just do it again. It is considered a slur to refer to people as Black Veiled Aiel. That's right. And if all the nations rise against Rand, he's not going to be able to withstand that. Doesn't matter he can channel. He's just one man. And then Tarman Gaiden will get here. The last battle will happen and there will be no dragon reborn there to face Mm -hmm. the Dark One. Thus, Dark One wins, breaks free, pattern is reshaped in the shadow. Booyah! Dark One wins. That's Leandrin's plan. Well, that sounds shitty. It actually sounds like a pretty good plan. And that's the problem. Because Egwene's like, okay, that seems much more plausible than some item that might be dangerous in Tanchico. Which is precisely why she thinks Amiko's probably telling the truth. Who'd make up that, that thing? Who would make up the thing that makes no sense rather than making up the thing that makes complete sense and would probably work? The problem is... They can't be sure. And they can't ignore either threat, really. They go to Tanchico, and Leandrin's out there breaking Mazrum Taim free. That's a problem. That's a mess. They go chasing after Leandrin, only to find out she was really in Tanchico, getting this thing that she can then control the Dragon Reborn with. I mean, there's no win. They And there's just, just them. They can't, don't have other people they can trust, so they have to figure out which one do mm-hmm. they go after. Especially as they wisely are considering... Don't split the party. Right. That always goes wrong. Especially if you say, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, one person who said, I'd be right back, shows up again. Because at this point, the door bangs open and Moraine walks back into the room with Elaine in tow. However, to their shock, Moraine is throwing a hissy fit. She is angry totally has lost her cool and they're like whoa we have never seen moraine like this yeah why is moraine like that we are not going to talk about it right now people have to come back next week for our next episode because it's chapter six where we learn about what's going on oh that's just mean (laughs) so that is the end of our wheel of time content for this episode uh we're going to go into our spoiler room segment in a little bit before we do that we want to thank everyone for being here. If you don't want to know what the spoiler room section is, that's where we're going to full spoil something. So first time readers, don't stick around for that part. But do stick around for the fact that we'd love to know you more and connect with you better. (laughs) Find us on Discord. We've got a Discord server where people who share our love for the Wheel of Time and other sorts of fantasy and sci-fi fiction get together, chit-chat, talk about the things we're doing and and other nonsense and foolery. We've got a lot of pet pictures there, for example. It's great. Especially cats. Very heartwarming. Yeah. we got some nice dogs, too. I'd like more dogs there. Maybe I'll get one. Do we have any birds yet? I don't know. If you're a bird lover, come join us on Discord. Yeah. We want to see your bird. 
so uh, an invitation to our Discord server is in the show notes for this episode. We also are on social media. We mentioned Twitter before, Fantasy for the Ages. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You'll find the recipe for my drink today. Uh, uh, mine I'll too. Post it up there for Instagram and Zach's <laughs> nothing will be there. Yep. Uh, so join us on social media and interact with that, us that way. Zach, what about if people still use email? Could they I talk guess to us we that have way? one of those. Fantasyfortheages at gmail.com. Hit us up that way. Do not send regular mail. We will not get it. Yeah, snail mail. We don't do that. We also do have merch. So a couple of things you can buy there on New Creations by Jen. There's a link to our merch shop there also in our show notes. And finally, if you really enjoy what we're doing, we would love your support. We have a Patreon where you can sign up and contribute a little financially each month and get some extra benefits. We've got patron-only episodes. We've got 10 mm-hmm. of those so far. We do about one a month. Uh, that's available to patrons at the appropriate tier. All tiers of our patrons can join us in our live episodes. we got a couple with us here today. We always love it when people can join us live and interact. Lots of fun. And uh, we even give chances for patrons to vote on influencing some of the content we're going to do in our episodes, like our to read or not to read episodes. Patrons are making their voice known. And that's just a fun extra way you get to do uh, be involved if you support us on Patreon. So we invite your uh, contributions. Thanks. Anything else, Zach, for everybody to hear? No, I think it's about time that we head into the spoiler room. Insert so, graphic somewhere here. Yeah, we we'll, don't have we'll it yet. We'll talk to you next time. The rest of you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I am going to create that graphic. I found something to use. Perfect. But I didn't have time to put it together with the sound effects in yet. So maybe next time. Maybe next time. We'll We're not going to promise next here. time because if it doesn't. Mm. <laughs> All right. The spoiler room. Time to roll our D20s. I'm using a nice white and gold big boy. Okay, I'm just using the same pretty one I did last time. Let's do it. It worked pretty well for you last time. But you still won. I got a 12. I got an 18. Well, you're going first again. All right, what one thing from today's episode do you want to full spoil? I want to talk about Tanchico. Most specifically... Everyone wants to talk about Tanchico. I mean, it's lovely, but I want to talk about what's in Tanchico what Leandrin and the others are going for, what is going to be found later. And that's basically a male Adam, a way to physically control a male channeler. It's just like sitting in Tanchico right now. It's just chilling as a relic from the Age of Legends and a collection. And it's like, we don't know what this is, but it's like really old and made of unbreakable stuff. So like, I kept it. Turns out... It's a way to quite literally control a male channeler. And it may or may not absolutely have future complications that involve people losing a hand, killing a forsaken, one of our main characters, Rand, channeling the true power instead of the one power. Oh, all sorts of things. There's a lot in here. And even beyond that, we get to see Bale Doman again later connected and around this item. So it's just going to be a fun time, and I'm excited for it. Absolutely. All right, good spoil. My spoil, I want to talk about 
Joya Byers plan that she shares about Leandrin. The Mazrum Taim one? Because, okay, so they're going to break Mazrum Taim free. Mm-hmm. Well, Mazrum Taim does get broken free. Mm-hmm. Is that because of the Black Aja? Maybe it was. We don't have confirmation that Black Aja broke him free, but there's a very good chance that, yes, they were behind him getting free. But he doesn't name himself Randall Thor no. and wreak havoc, but he does show up to Randall Thor saying, hey, I want to be on your side. And he's a plant and he does wreak havoc then from oh, yeah. the inside. So perhaps he- even a more devious way. Turn the world against him. But he does take most of the super awesome army that we'll get to see and go, hey, they're evil now. Jordo's asking in Discord, wasn't Demondred part of him getting freed? That breakout? We don't really know. We know Demondred mm-hmm. had a role to play in that. As these books were coming out and things were unsure and not everything was necessarily known, at least by the fan community, there was a lot of questioning as to who broke Mazrum Taim out what did he actually get broken out? Was it ever Mazum Taim? Is this actually Demondred? Tamandred, you know, was was there's that definite theory that Robert Jordan intentionally meant Mazrum Taim to be Demondred and then change his mind as he was writing further in. Mm-hmm. And so as it stands, Mazum Taim is his own person and was set free, but whether it was Black Aja or Shadow Haran or Demondred or some other Forsaken or Dark Friend. Completely unknown. It's definitely the side of the Black that Taim does get free and does end up wheedling his way into Ran's side, working to bring down the plans of the Dragon Reborn so that at the last battle, he's not going to be able to do what he was meant to do. And thankfully, the Black Tower that Taim is putting control of, Rand, what the heck were you thinking? Ends up able to pull themselves out of that mess to a degree. Some of it. Uh, It did not tear everything down, thankfully. It made things harder, but that was how it was meant to be, according to the pattern, apparently, because it all works out in the end. Okay, that's what we have for today. And that's like big time spoiling it all. Oh yeah, we went big on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you for being with us. If you've made it all the way through here, appreciate it. And uh, again, like, subscribe, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.